Welcome from the deep. I am Mike the Finder. And I am Book of Brett. And today we are talking about the 2023 film Asteroid City, and we have a very special guest back with us again, Josh from the VHS Files podcast. Thank you for being here. I'm surprised I was invited back. Yeah, I mean, I I think the last time went really well, and you fit in really well over here. So I think that uh, having you on for this episode specifically, it's not horror-related, and Brett and I have converse just a little bit about Asteroid City, and it'll definitely help having a third person in here <laughs> talking about this, because this is Maybe. A, it might help. This is a, this is a weird one. So um, let's just get right into it. And if you guys have not checked out the VHS Files podcast, make sure you go check that out. I will link that down in the description as well as up here right now. Um, if you guys like us, you will like them, I promise. Um, so let's just get into it. Brad, do you want to give us a synopsis of what Asteroid City is about? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in this movie. It's a, it's a movie about a play, and the play is written. It, it, we see the play, but the framing device is the is the play being written, and, and the framing device serves absolutely no purpose to the rest of the movie. And the play that the movie is about is itself about these people in a town, presumably in like Arizona or Nevada, where I think it's New Mexico, right? Or sure. Whatever, Roswell probably, but it's yeah, and 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 they're there, and some stuff happens, and then they leave. Oh no, <laughs> Josh, you want to you want to give us a synopsis of Asteroid City? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't really know if I'll be able to do much better than Brett there, but uh, I mean, I, I, I want to preface this with. I am a Wes Anderson fan. I'm not a Wes Anderson super fan, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Welcome a to the ton- club, buddy. You know, I, I've seen all of Wes Anderson's films. Some of them connect with me. Some of them not so much. Uh, I, I I love his art, his craft of filmmaking. Um, but this movie is definitely Wes Anderson at his most meta. I mean, it's a movie within a TV show talking about a play, and it's just, it's got a lot to unpack there. I this movie. Do a multiverse? <laughs> Why can't I do a multiverse? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, the gist of it is, is we're introduced to, uh, we're watching a television show that is talking about a play that was written, uh, written and cast called Asteroid City. And, uh, it's the story of what happened during the production of the play. It's, it's very, this is a movie that benefits from a second watch, I'm pretty sure. But I've only seen it once. I watched it at 11 o'clock this morning, so it's still fresh in my mind, but I'm still, like, um, putting pieces together on it. Yeah, I, I'm glad to hear both of you say that, like, I don't know how to describe how to give a synopsis of this movie because I, I don't think I know either. This is the most meta, weird thing that he's ever done. and It bears the question, is Wes Anderson okay? <laughs> I mean, it does feel like he was really, this is the thing, is I'm a big Wes Anderson fan, just to get this off the bat, right off the bat. Now, with that being said, neither Brett nor I liked the French Dispatch. We both thought no. it was hyper pretentious. We both thought that he was so up his own ass about his own style that he's just, 
He's losing the substance within his own style. Um, and I mm -hmm. think there is more of that in Asteroid City. I don't think it's nearly as bad about losing the substance in Asteroid City as it is the French Dispatch, but it really feels like he he is more aware than ever that he is one of the few auteurs that we have right now and that he is trying to lean super into that. And I don't know if him being aware of that is a good thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say I would say it's not the greatest thing. Um, <laughs> I feel like like especially like with the dialogue, so much of this dialogue felt like the Gilmore Girls that it was starting to drive me a little nuts with that like that like rapid fire like back and forth and everything. I know that's a thing in his movies, but yeah. I feel like it was like really really on the nose with this one. And I'm like that's not that's not well, I, I didn't think it was as funny as I think it was supposed to be. Well, that was a note I wrote in the middle of my notes as I was watching the movie and I was like, you know, I understand why people probably don't like Wes Anderson movies. His stuff comes across very pretentious and the dialogue in his films is not a natural dialogue. People don't talk no. the way they talk in these movies. Mm -hmm. um, like, but yeah, I, I was the same way with the French Dispatch. I didn't, it didn't sit that well with me. And I don't even think Isle of Dogs, which was before the French Dispatch, like, I don't oh, even I really think like that Isle one. Uh, that one didn't connect with me all that much. Not like something like, uh, you know, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, but I th the last movie that I remember really loving of his was Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that 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 was a good one. It is a really good one. My favorite one from him is the Darjeeling Limited and the Life Aquatic. I think the Life Aquatic is him at his absolutely like at his peak because it's got his style in there, but he's not so lost in his style that he loses the substance of what what he's trying to say in the movie. And I feel like the Darjeeling Limited is that way as well. Um, and even Fantastic Mr. Fox is so good with his own style, be, even if it is like stop motion, I think it's still it, it's still his style. And yeah, the, the Grand Budapest, I, I think that's where he starts to lean more into his own style and 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 stops worrying so much about the message, although it is still in that one. That's, I think, where this slide starts to happen. Yeah, there's I, th I, I definitely will say I think the message gets lost in here at some point, if it ever existed at all, because I never felt like there was really like a connecting thread going on. I mean, I know we have the framing device of the play being made, but other than that, up until like the climax, um, which I won't get into yet, but we'll have to. So spoiler alert at some point um, up until that point. It feels like there's not really a reason for any of this to be happening. Well, that's something you can kind of kind of say for a lot of his movies, because it's obviously something that's happening within these worlds that he's creating. Mm -hmm. um, I, my personal favorite stuff from him is the earlier stuff that was cemented in sort of a reality, but, you know, f has his art direction, his filming style like you know i love i love royal tenenbaums because yeah, it's just too. about a fucking crazy family um i i love rushmore um but, but those you know they're centered around real people with real problems in their lives um, now they're, too. yeah right i mean it's it's all very heightened 
Um, so, you know, it's got that style, that, that quippy style that Wes Anderson has. And then you factor in the camera work and everything else. But yeah, like I think, you know, since Grand Budapest Hotel, he's kind of started, he's done the, the Tarantino thing. He's gone back and started doing these period pieces, uh, or at least his version of period pieces, yeah. like going back in time. And I think that is where it starts to service his art direction because he can get crazy with these old time costumes and sets and uh, all the architecture that he can use and whatnot. And this this movie is kind of the same way. I think I think the reason the French Dispatch didn't work so well is because it's kind of a it's it's sort of a, a three movies in one. It's almost like a creep show style in, in Wes Anderson. Um, and it's three different stories um, that are interweaved you know, loosely. And this is kind of the same thing. I mean, all of this is one story, but it's a story about a story and that's where, you know, and then the meta aspect of it. So, I mean, there's a, you got to watch this with a fine tooth comb and be like, okay, this is what I should be thinking here. This is what I should be thinking here. And, you know, someone who wants to go see a quirky comedy might not really be prepared to, to to put that much effort into watching a movie, you know? Well, considering right. we all saw this in theaters, did you guys have any walkouts? No. No, <laughs> I had uh, I had one lady who I thought was walking out, and then I realized that when it says um, intermission optional, I think she actually <laughs> she thought took that an intermission. was an intermission. <laughs> because she got up and walked out, <laughs> but she came back after the not intermission. <laughs> I want to I want to hear the inner monologue of this lady like, damn it, they said it was an intermission and the movie's already started back like I missed something. Well, I can tell you my inner monologue was, should I tell this lady that she shouldn't get up? Should I go down yeah. there? Should I stop this her before she leaves? Because she this was old. It took her a long, long time to get to the stairs. Yeah, this isn't 2001 A Space Odyssey. You know, you don't have no. a, a, an actual intermission in the middle of the movie. No, but to be fair, 2001 A Space Odyssey, you can leave at any scene and come back in the same scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had uh, multiple people walk out in my theater. Multiple wow. people. And I think it's... Really? I, I attribute it to the absolute lack of... of explaining to people what this movie actually is with the trailer because yeah what the trailer tells you and what the movie actually is in my opinion are two very different things and so i think yeah. people go into this expecting a wes a light-hearted wes anderson thing and it's so meta and and like sci-fi and like just weird that i think it just doesn't fit his regular thing and so people just go into it expecting a different outcome, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Well, like I said, I saw this at 11, 11 o'clock this morning. I was literally one of two people in the theater. It was an older gentleman. Isn't that and nice? I, I was nice and sat all the way in the back so I could take notes and not bother anybody. And, uh, but as the movie started... And things started happening and the comedic beats started to happen. Me and this guy were laughing at all of the same shit in the movie. So me and him were just having a grand old time <laughs> cracking up at watching Asteroid Aww, City. Oh, you made a friend. <laughs> I didn't ask him his name or anything, but we were both chuckling at quite a lot of well, the same stuff. <laughs> well, it's not a date, you big weirdo. <laughs> I wanted it to be so much. All right. Well, before we get even further into this, let's just jump over to the podcast drive-in here. Um, 
Asteroid City from 2023. This is rated PG-13. It is an hour and 45 minutes. It has a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, written and directed by Wes Anderson, um, and it stars Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, and just a slew of other people. The cast. I was, I was so s- hoping that you were going to say the whole cast. No, because no, this no. Is- <laughs> Dude, there, there are so many other people that should be before Tom Hanks right there. Because he is in all of like 20 minutes of this movie. Yeah, I agree with that for that, sure. That's I saw the Brian case. Cranston more than I saw Tom Hanks. That's the case you can make for a lot of the stars in this movie, though. Like, they, this is more of a uh, just a cameo appearance of a lot of these well, people. And that's that, that was one of the things. Like, I felt like this was just an excuse for him to get like as many A listers in one of his movies as he possibly could. Like, that's kind of what it felt like at a certain point. Yeah, it definitely feels like he's using his name to get as many big, big people in here as possible. Way more than he has in the past. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is all of these people have pretty much worked with him before. Other than, like, Maya Hawk and Steve Carell. Like, most of these people are repeat Wes Anderson cast members. The um, I was shocked, shocked to see that Bill Murray wasn't well, in this movie. So to be honest here's with the you. thing. Here's the thing with that. Steve Carell's part was supposed to be played by Bill Murray, and when you think about that, how much better yeah. Bill Murray would be in that role compared to Steve Carell? Because it's weird. Steve, I I don't like Steve Carell in this movie, and it's and, and and when I heard that, that explained it for me. Like that is clearly a Bill Murray part that Steve Carell is overacting in, and I just don't like him in this movie. I like Steve Carell too. Yeah, I, I thought he was fine in this, uh, but when you say that this was the part that Bill Murray should have played, I can definitely see that. Yeah. But I, I think, I think Steve Carell does his thing with this. But yeah, I, I, I'm I not have sure. no idea why Bill Murray didn't. Mm. But. Yeah, I, all I heard was that that Too was busy written golfing. Yeah, probably or interrupting college <laughs> parties or something. Um, I, I think that. That's that's the big thing like with this movie is there's so many people in this movie and notable people at that that it almost starts to feel like uh, overwhelming. Like if we look, let's just look at this right here. Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, <gasps> Adrian Brody. <laughs> like it just keeps going. <laughs> it's Wes Anderson's The Expendables. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of feels like I don't know. Maybe it's too much. Um, but the, it's too much. <laughs> but the IMDb synopsis much. here is because this will tell us exactly how to paraphrase this. Following a writer on his world famous fictional play about a grieving father who travels with his tech obsessed family to small rural asteroid city to compete in a junior stargazing event, comma finally, only to have his worldview disrupted forever. Uh, that is maybe the world's worst synopsis of a movie yeah, ever. Just like the trailer <laughs> is the worst trailer ever. Like nothing, th- none of the marketing for this movie that was done aptly explains what the fuck is going on in this movie. And it's infuriating. <laughs> it's absolutely infuriating because normally I like to go in like blind. I needed some fucking guidance on this one because it's, just all over the place, dude. It's like, it's like he, it's like he shared writing responsibilities with three other people, but they all did it separately with absolutely <laughs> no collaboration between the four of them. 
Well, it was written well, it by was... Wes Anderson and Roman Coppola. So yeah, him and Roman Coppola co-write a lot of their stuff. Uh, I found this to be a lot easier to to go with than the French Dispatch for sure. Um, I agree with that. But yeah, there's there's still a lot to unpack with this movie. Yeah. I will say one of the first things that made me chuckle pretty hard was when I'm watching the casts uh, in the in the credits in the beginning and I see Jeff Goldblum as the alien. Yeah, and I, was I like, saw that as well. <laughs> the entire movie, I was just waiting for an alien. The moment I saw that, I was like, well, I know an alien's coming at some point, which is, which really bothered me. That bothered me a lot <laughs> that that was in the credit, the opening credits. And I was just sitting there waiting for it. I don't know. And and when you get an alien in this movie, it's obvious it's not Jeff Goldblum. No. <laughs> and uh and it doesn't say anything, so there's no voice acting involved. But I was like, if they actually got Jeff Goldblum to come in and make that little <laughs> grunt noise that the alien makes, and that's all he did, hey, I listen, would have. <laughs> Alan, Alan Tudyk has been making a shitload of movies or money making animal noises for Disney movies lately. So, uh, yeah, there you so, go. So has uh, Groot. What's the what's his name? I'm blanking on his oh, name. Vin, Vin, Vin Diesel. 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 Thank yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps getting fucking paychecks for saying one line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's not unheard of. All right. Well, above the line benefits. I want to go around and and hear everybody's initial impressions about this movie, uh, and then we'll talk spoilers, and then we'll give ratings. Uh, and as always, we will let you guys know before we start to spoil this movie, especially because this is a brand new film still out in theaters. It has only been out one weekend right now. So I don't want to spoil this for anybody that hasn't seen it. So we will be sure to put that up before we talk spoilers. But I want to go around and hear what you guys think about this film in general. You want to go first? Guest first? Sure. I'll go first. Uh, I mean, like I said, I... I I come into this as a as a Wes Anderson fan, but not a super fan. But like I, I walk into a Wes Anderson movie expecting to be sort of puzzled by what I'm watching and and, and sort of putting it together. That's the way his movies have been for me over the past few years. That is uh, a you responsible, up, a responsible thing to prepare yourself for. <laughs> and. You know, you brought up Darjeeling Limited, and that's one of the ones that's challenged me the most. That's probably the one that I don't go back to uh, very often because I find that one to be, you know, it's it's a road trip movie, basically. But there was something about Darjeeling Limited that didn't connect with me. This one, I found the comedy in this pretty funny, and it's dry, but that was enough to keep me invested in it. But I am watching the film going, all right. There's a lot that I have to keep up with here, and there's a lot of names being thrown, and then people that are actors that are playing people in the play that are actually in real life actors that there's relationships going on that are just like muddled and uh, like, you know, like peace we, was less convoluted than this was. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, I'm sure it makes sense to Wes Anderson and Roman Coppola, but. As a first yeah, time watch, if, if you it's can't a lot translate to take that in. into the audience understanding it, there's a huge fucking issue. And all three of us are film nerds, and so uh, the three of us walking in out or out of that movie going, "That's fucking weird." I don't know if that's yeah. a good thing. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to I, interrupt you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean that's that's kind of been my normal relationship with Wes Anderson, though. Um, you know, when people were really big into Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums back when they came out, 
I hadn't, I, I didn't watch them. I didn't watch them until I really got into mo- watching movies a lot, which was probably in my late twenties, early thirties. And, you know, I, I came back to indie kids, huh? No, no. I mean, <laughs> not a lot of iron uh, and wine listeners where you come from. <laughs> <laughs> I like iron and wine, but was, was not watching Rushmore at that time. But, uh, Eric is a big, uh, you know, Eric from our show is a yeah. big fan of Rushmore. That's one of his favorite movies. And uh, that was one of the one of the first ones of his that I watched. And then, of course, you know, I went back and started watching all of his older stuff. And, well, that's only a second movie. But then I started watching everything of Wes Anderson's. And it, 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 Wes Anderson's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. Uh, like I said, he comes across as pretentious because his movies are a specific way. He's an auteur. He wants things to be framed perfectly in every shot he wants he wants stories that are highbrow but you know he still wants to make you laugh so i i go into a wes anderson movie with some blinders on to some things and you know there are some of them that i've come out of enjoying movies like grand budapest hotel French Dispatch I was not a big fan of i think i actually fell asleep watching isle of dogs and then this one <laughs> this one i actually walked out you know, a little confused, but enjoyed it for the comedy. So that was my walk out of the theater reaction to it. But I'm always a little hesitant to really go at a movie until I've seen it twice, because there are so many situations where I've felt one way about a movie and then I watch it for a second time and I go, okay, I didn't catch that the first time around. Yeah. So I have to you read. Know, it's, it's funny you bring that up because I think I've said more times recently than not, um, I'm going to have to give this a second watch. And uh-huh. part of me thinks, like, am I not paying enough attention? Or is it more of a transition into, like, giving movies that I would normally not like a second chance to see if I actually do like them? Right. And since I've gotten into movies and uh, am a big film nerd now, like, uh, that, that's gotten me into movies like David Lynch and David Cronenberg Filmmakers that their purpose of their movies is to challenge you to watch them. But this is the thing, uh, though, is when you sit down and you watch Eraserhead, it is fairly obvious what he's trying to say with that movie. And and it's obviously for, it's up for interpretation, but I think broad strokes, it's pretty obvious what he's trying to say. And when we when we read off of IMDb only to have his worldview disrupted forever, I feel like that was barely touched on. In this movie. Well, and that's that's the biggest problem is we never have enough time to really connect to any of the personal stories going on here. It really, really makes it seem like he has his worldview changed forever. And when characters have gone through that in Wes Anderson movies, it's usually this really impactful thing. Yes. But I feel like I'm never really given the chance for that to happen well said. in this movie. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. never given enough opportunity to really give a shit what's happening with one person or the other. There are so many, not just throwaway characters in here, but throwaway relationships in here that mean nothing, that impact nothing, that do nothing except to give him a reason to be quirky with other characters. And yeah. that's why, like, you say you found the humor in this. I didn't laugh once through this oh, movie. Oh, I did. I laughed um, many, many, time, many times. The, the only time I laughed was with the alien. That's the only time I laughed. I loved the <laughs> alien. But, dude, other than that, I felt like I felt like the humor in this was so recycled. Like, I felt like it was just, it was the same type of humor that I've seen from him before. 
that it's not that it was bad humor. It's just it's like watching the same joke over and over again. Like it just gonna, is going to get less funny the more you watch yeah. it. Well, this is something we both said about the French Dispatch. If you go back and watch that episode, I'll link that up top and down in the description. Uh, that we both felt like Wes Anderson's whole shtick is getting kind of tired. Like yeah. it, it's it's charming, but when you're what twelve movies deep or whatever it is, and he's just doing that over and over and over again, even Tarantino doesn't do that. Like, and and when you look at all the other quote unquote auteurs, um, none of the other guys do it that way. None of them. It's a lot like a child's finger painting. <laughs> you appreciate the effort that they put into it, but it's just tired. <laughs> Tiring after like six years of the same finger paints. <laughs> I think that's why movies like Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums are easier to connect with. You've got the style, but you've also got substance there with characters that you're connecting with. Yeah. The ultimate yeah. story in Rushmore is the kid and the girl and Bill Murray's character. And then you've got, you know, side characters that support that story. Right, same thing with a through line. Right. Same with Royal Tenenbaums. It's about the family, the Tenenbaums, you know, and, and what's going on with them. Now, they're a big family and you've got a lot of players there, but ultimately it's in service of the family. This is, you know, if we were just following um, Jason Schwartzman's character throughout this story and that's where the through line was, it'd be a lot easier to accept something in, that they're doing in this. But you've got so many side characters and so much meta content with the play within the TV show that it makes it hard to follow and you don't know who you should be following at what time. So, yeah, it's 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 going to confuse people. It's going to make people go, wait, what? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Brett, uh, lay out how you feel about this. I'm curious. No, I, I, I just I feel like I've never cared about a Wes Anderson movie less, and I don't mean like going into it. I mean like I've never cared about the elements of a Wes Anderson movie less than I cared about this one. I literally, I dropped my pen as I was almost falling asleep in the theater at one point. I was <laughs> bored with this movie. I was just I felt like I'd seen it. All before, I liked the French Dispatch more than I liked this. That's I will surprising. say that. Yeah. Um, and, and and I knew that that was I, I. First of all, I want to say I knew I was going to like this less than Mike did, and I thought there was a fairly good chance that I was going to uh, like this a lot less than Josh did. And um, uh, I knew there was a chance. I I. I I was right, apparently, because I, although I did not hate this movie, I did not enjoy this movie. I didn't know, at a certain point, I don't know who I'm supposed to be following. And I don't mean following as in like, the stories are hard to follow. They're not, they happen for 10 seconds. But I didn't know who I should be investing my emotions into because so much of it just seemed to ping pong off the fucking screen. Like that's that, that, like I re I really feel like this is a written out version of the game Pong, where everything's just bouncing off the walls all willy nilly, and you just have to kind of keep track of it without losing it. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a fair criticism. Uh, the way I kind of felt about this was I did enjoy this. I think the technical aspects in this movie, the whip pans and the framing Visually, and the lighting, beautiful. The, the natural I, lighting that they use in this entire film is phenomenal. I love the color I have, grade. 
I have to say this. I had a note. Uh, there was a note in my notes that said, "It's corky. It's beautiful, but is it good?" And no, I don't. Th- <laughs> I did not think this was. I mean, it's not a bad movie, but in the sense of like, am I enjoying it? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't enjoy this. Um, I uh, I did not hate it. But again, it was. It wasn't because anything was bad. It's just because. Oh wow. The structure's a little bad. And and that's the thing. We have complained about pacing before. We have complained about acting. I don't know if I've ever complained about the structure of a movie before, but the structure of this is just, it, it's, it, I have a real, you can cut this if you want to, Mike, but the, the structure of this feels like a Parkinson's patient building a Lincoln Logs cabin. Like that, that's what the structure of this felt like. It feels shaky, it feels unstable, and I just didn't enjoy that part of it. I don't, but see, I think the, the problem here is that all of that is intentional. And I know. And it feels like he was just like, I need to I need to play with the structure of this movie as much as possible and try and this goes back to what I said earlier where he is I saw an interview with him earlier where he was talking about um all the AI and the the, the all of the stuff going around social media I don't know how much you guys have seen of this everyone is doing mm-hmm. their if Wes Anderson directed blah 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 or whatever yeah he he yeah. said that he intentionally doesn't watch that stuff I'm going to go ahead and call bullshit on that. And and the reason I say that is because this goes back to what I was saying earlier. He is very aware that he is one of the handful of auteurs we have right now. And I think that he is, he is, um, for lack of a, a better analogy here, he is high on his own supply of his own pretentiousness. And I think that, that the, you don't get high on your own supply, dude. Exactly. Rule the, one. I think Rule number the one. French Dispatch was the first inkling I had of this where I was like, oh, he's he's like self-aware now. And I never got that feeling before the French Dispatch. It always felt like he was like, this is my style and this is what I do. And then when I watched the French Dispatch, I was like, this feels like a parody of your own work. And that is how I walked out of Asteroid City. It is a parody of a Wes Anderson movie. It feels like someone trying to figure out what Ander- what a Wes Anderson movie would be like with sci-fi elements in it. And it, I love the retro future thing. I, I love the color grade. I love the technical aspects of it. I love, I love all of that stuff. But like you said, Brett, I've seen all that before in his movies, uh, specifically the French Dispatch. I feel like he exhausted that style in the French Dispatch and his fucking dialogue has gotten so like out of touch with what people want to see is that it, it was literally hard for me to focus on the point of each sentence. Like I was sitting there going, I, I don't I don't need you. I don't need you to lay out dialogue like this. This is insane. I get what you're trying to go after, but it doesn't make sense in the grand scheme of things. And fucking structure in film is laid out that way for a reason. This goes back to like when I always talk about tropes and slasher movies and stuff. The reason tropes exist is because that's what fucking works. I think that he was going for something 
it, and he was trying to attack it in a very different way, but it doesn't work the way he wanted it to. I think that he thought that this was really smart and fun and not to spoil anything, but the thing where everybody starts to chant toward the end drove me insane because mm -hmm. it is like, well, this is what an art house movie would do, right? This is my impression of an art house movie. And it like, just, are we in a dream sequence now? It felt so shallow and stupid. And, and he, it, it's like he saw the lighthouse and went, Oh, well, I could do that. Like, I, I'm just going to rip that right out of the lighthouse and put it in this. Like, it just like it's an impression of a Wes Anderson movie. And that is my biggest issue with it. And I walked out of it confused and not because yep. I didn't get it. I, I walked out confused thinking, what the fuck was he doing? What the hell is this? And I did I like it, to be clear. But it is far, far, far from his best work, in my opinion. I walked out of this one feeling like Alex from Agent Orange the first time he goes through treatment. <laughs> like that, the, just, just, just all dazed and what just happened to me? What was I just subjected to? Like, I feel like that's how I walked out of this because, like you said, I did not hate this movie, but goddamn, I did not like this movie. Well, I, but why? Is it the dialogue? Is it the idea? Because the idea it's is just strong. The, it's, it's, it's the the idea is totally strong. The idea is strong, and it's not the aesthetics. It's not the camera movements or anything like that. Like, I, but as I said before, uh, the the structure is all off for me. We have a lot of elements here that don't contribute really anything to the story. Um, and overall, I just felt like I felt like he was taking fragments of elements of his other movies that worked. And we just get this like mishmash, which I think is why it felt like a parody of his other work. Yeah, the structure is definitely one of the biggest issues I have with this movie is, you know, we start with the TV show. It goes into the play. We go bounce back and forth. We've got our act one and two one, you know, all of that shit. And, you know, <laughs> Wes Anderson is the most art film guy making movies that are popular right now. For sure. So you've got his, you know, normal fans that are going to eat up whatever he's doing because they like his style. I, I, I like his style. It's very different from anything you see in movies right now. But yeah, the dialogue is definitely the thing that grates on me the most because I, I'm fine with art films. I'm fine with with you challenging me with what's going on. But the biggest thing I had a problem with in this movie is I don't know what I was supposed to learn or get from this story. Exactly. It you seems to be a non sequitur. You, like, <laughs> you don't get it. Maybe I don't. Maybe a second watch I will get it. But this time around, uh, when the movie was over, I was like, okay. What what did what was I supposed to take away from this? And that was that's that's my biggest issue with this movie is I I don't I loved following the characters and seeing what was going on with them and the jokes that would happen within it. I mean, <laughs> when the can I can I can I read my letterbox review? I think that'll sum up. Hang on, let him finish, let him get this this thought uh, out I'm that so, he's on. No, no, I'm I'm, so, I'm sorry, my bad. No, I want to hear this now. Okay. I, I got to hear this letterbox review. <laughs> it's quirky. It's pretty. But is it good? It sure shit isn't great. 
At, at times a seemingly scattered mess, other times outright boring, this newest creation from Wes Anderson seems him, sees him veering even further away from what I came to like about his films in the first place. We're given only a very few amount of people to care for at all, and even then, not enough time to connect. This seemed like more of a reason to cram an all-star cast together than tell a story underscored by even greater imagery. I'm sure diehard Wes Anderson fans will develop some reason for why this is so great, and the rest of us just don't get it. But the truth is, I found myself completely uninterested by the time the biggest part of the movie ever even happens. <sighs> I'm, that, that's a good a, summary. I, I I am calling it right now. Wes Anderson, diehard Wes Anderson fans, the biggest thing they're going to say is people just don't get it. And it's like, yeah, you could say that about pretty much anything. If you're able to fill in the gaps enough on your own subjectively to make it make sense, absolutely. I'm sure it makes sense, and I just don't get it. But there's not a lot here to get, in my opinion. I mean, I when I came out of that, I was so bothered by by Josh what what you said. What was I supposed to get out of this? And I mm -hmm. kept coming up blank. Like generally like when I watched The Life Aquatic for instance, that is about a guy who is over the hill and past his prime trying to get something out of the final years of his life and his career right. and it is meaningful because I can narrow down what he is trying to say and his style is not overpowering his substance in that movie and in this yep. it just felt like there's nothing wrong if you want to make a if you want to make a movie and just try to make it as weird and stylized as possible. But if you're gonna if you're gonna make a mainstream movie like this, release it with focus. You know what I mean? Like all of that stuff. There has to be a re when I walk out of that theater. There has to be a reason that I watched it, and I can't. I read a whole bunch of stuff after I watched after I watched this. And all of it was saying that it's like, it's kind of like what the IMDb thing said, um, having his worldview disrupted forever. That is a re reoccurring theme in every single article that I read about this movie, where they're going, it is people being challenged by their own worldview and, and like having to deal with this thing that they've never dealt with and, ha you know, having, having their worldview disrupted. And I get that, but that is such a minute <laughs> part of this film and it's not nailed down on at all <laughs> that it just felt like a real like that's the thing that people are reaching for like this is what it means right like that's the thing that bothers me so much is that it's not nailed down enough for me to be like this is what this is about and the fact that neither like all three of us can't say within a sentence or two what this film is about that's a fucking problem well that's because the the main character, quote unquote main character that we're following, Jason Schwartzman's character, is an actor portraying someone that was written. And so that makes me deduct that the character that was written is, you know, Edward Norton writing about this person. Again, like there's just it's a conception, man. There's there's a dream within a dream within a dream here that makes you go, OK, whose fucking dream am I supposed to be paying attention to? And it's just. Like I said, in Rushmore, it's the relationship between the girl, Bill Murray, and the kid. Yeah. In Rushmore, it's the relationship with the family. Fantastic Mr. Fox, it's the Fox family. Like, this one is just such a mishmash of so many different things that 
there's 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 really nothing on surface level to grasp onto, and I think that's really what's going to challenge people and make people walk away from this not caring for it too much. Now, I'm I'm all for those people that want to rewatch stuff and find the meaning in it. I'm one of those kind of people. Like I I love that challenge. I love being able to figure out what what they're supposed to be telling me in a movie, but. Usually I can watch a movie and kind of see that from the get go. And then I develop more as I watch with this. I walked out of it going, okay, that was funny for me and it was quirky and it looks great, but I don't really know what I just, what, what I don't really know what the story is. I just saw. Well, I think here's a good part to get into spoilers. So spoiler alert for everybody. Um, I, when when Jason Schwartzman walks out toward the end and it goes into black and white, he goes out onto the balcony to smoke and he and he meets Margot Robbie. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, OK, finally, finally, we're going to fucking understand some of this. And then they have the most asinine, vague fucking conversation <laughs> That explains nothing. We were going to be in a scene together. Exactly. I I really wanted that moment to be the moment, the, the aha moment where I'm like, oh, that is what he is trying to say with this whole fucking thing. Because it's presented that way. Like, I, I yeah. feel like it's everything is leading up into that moment. And then that moment falls so flat. And it's the conversation is so vague and they don't nail down anything that it that it almost pissed me off. Yeah, it's like, you know, we're supposed to be Jason Schwartzman's character in that moment. And it's like he doesn't understand what this person's motivation is within this play he's doing. Right. He goes to the director. What is my purpose? The director doesn't even tell him what the purpose is. And it's again, this might be the thing that people are going to go. That's the point. Yeah. It's Wes Anderson telling you that he doesn't even know what again. Like I, I would probably pick up on a lot more watching it again. But. The fact that I'm having this much trouble from the get go, like there are a lot of people that were challenged by Bo is afraid. I walked out of Bo is afraid, understanding exactly what they were trying to convey in that movie. It's pretty crazy. It's some crazy shit you're going to have to watch to get to it. And it's but like with this, it's like, okay, I'm having trouble under focusing on what you want me to focus on here. Well, I think that's because of all the fucking curveballs he throws at you. It's like the, the alien thing, despite me sitting around after seeing the opening credits waiting for an alien to appear, uh, when it does, it means virtually nothing other than the people going, oh, my God, there's aliens. And then mm-hmm. the, and and the government cover up thing is so lightly touched on that by the time the kids are like giving out pictures of the alien and shit, I was like, wait a minute, did they and maybe this is just something I missed, but did they? outright say the government is covering this up and we need to get this news out to the people did i miss that or no, is, it's, say, it's, it's is it just implied, implied by their fun and quirky quarantine <laughs> yeah the the quarantine I mean, and everything the was supposed to part but i don't i don't you remember know, the, the cover-up part being like like presented there's a there's a line in there where they say something to the effect of it's supposed to be kept a secret for up to a hundred years, so they didn't want any of it oh, getting right. out. When they're in that, when they're in the control room or whatever, and he's sitting down yeah. at the desk. Okay, right. Okay. I mean that's fair. 
I, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think that makes it. <laughs> yeah. <enough>. It's <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the, you know, we're, we almost feel like we're in moonrise kingdom there for a minute. We're following these kids at this science camp with their science projects and all this stuff. They've got vaporizer guns and all kinds of crazy shit that, mm-hmm. you know, kids probably wouldn't ever be able to make, but in a, in a Wes Anderson film, it works because their kids in his movie are quirky and funny and do things that normal kids wouldn't do. Yep. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of that stuff that I really enjoy. The three daughters that Jason Schwartzman has, they're, you know, they're the witches, as Tom Hanks calls them later. But there's one when they get into the town and someone asks them who they are and the one girl goes, I'm a vampire. Like, that shit just cracked me up. Like, it, and it's because it's it comes out of nowhere and it's quirky. But just because I'm laughing doesn't mean I'm understanding what you're throwing at me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, de- like that de- that desperate la- laughter, like. <laughs> <laughs> the first big laugh I got, though, is when Jason Schwartzman gets into town and he's trying to light his pipe and he's he can't light his lighter and they just fucking the spray gasoline, gasoline on, on yeah. the <laughs> That shit cracked me up. Uh, but, yeah, you know, there, there's the whole thing between Scarlett Johansson and Jason Schwartzman throughout right. this movie. Them talking to each other. Um, through the window and by the end you're supposed to feel like there was a, a love story between the two of them but I still I'm like was there like but she just th- gets up and fucking leaves without even saying yeah. anything to him she and gives him, him her a P.O. box a P.O. box <laughs> if that's not a if that's not a bogus cell phone number <laughs> then I don't know what it is here I'll get your letter when I go to pick up my Sears catalog but One thing like, that did surprise me, though, is uh, full frontal nudity in a PG-13 movie. <laughs> that was, yes, that was very surprising. It it only happens for like a split second, but that was very surprising, yes. I mean, have you been on the internet lately? <laughs> What's I mean, the internet? <laughs> the, um, I think broad strokes here, is this him trying to tell us, like, what the fuck is the point of this movie shit that I'm doing? Because when we look at when we look at like what this is trying to say, it's actors being confused by the part that they're being given. Um, and if we want to paint that in the way of like human beings, not understanding, going through life, not understanding what's happening and being confronted with things that they don't want to confront and, and having shit right up in your face that you don't want to deal with, but you're forced to deal with. And all is that, is that what this is about? Like, I think it's obscure enough to be able to make it about whatever the fuck you feel like making it about. I think there are so many gaps and holes just waiting to be filled <laughs> that you could really make this about anything you wanted it you want to make this about. This is so subjective. It's such nonsense in its objectivity that it only makes sense from a subjective point of view. I think I think Here's the point of the whole thing. Okay. There's this particular scene where we're watching, you know, we go back and forth from four, three frame framing to 16 by nine, which he's been doing quite a bit lately, yeah. uh, color to black and white between the TV show and the play and all that, of that stuff, stuff. I liked the color to black and white. I actually really thought worked a lot. Yeah. I, I didn't mind that at all. Um, but I think if you walk away from this movie with anything, it's it's the scene where they're talking in the play and Brian Cranston is left of screen and he goes, oh, oh, I'm not supposed to that, be here. That, like, that, that, that was my favorite part. 
<laughs> yeah, that was like, my favorite part. It's such a throwaway, but it's my favorite part. And like, I think that's probably the biggest point Wes Anderson's trying to make here is like, none of this shit is, none of it's supposed to make sense. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But Shut you know, up you, and take you, my money. <laughs> you, you take from that what you will. I mean, like I said, I'll probably watch this movie two or three more times and then come back and go, this is his greatest movie he's made since blah, 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 blah. But I don't know. I mean, just on a first watch, this was this was a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, it now definitely. I'll be coming back to this one. I, I'm definitely watching this again just to see what I can get out of it on a second watch and what I can notice versus the first time because this is one of those movies that I, I really do think that there is something we all didn't catch. It, it ha- there has to be. And if there's not, that's fine. And if that's what he's trying to say, fine. And and if his whole point was to fuck with people like us on podcasts talking about what is Wes Anderson <laughs> trying to say, blah, blah, blah. I get all that. So I can get on board with all that stuff. But but I, I, I say again, if the three of us cannot figure out what the fuck you're trying to say, regardless of even if that thing is people that try to pick apart movies are dumb or pointless or movies are pointless or whatever it is. Even if that's your point, it has to be clear. Even on a first watching the first time I watched the life aquatic, the Darjeeling limited, uh, the Royal Tenenbaums, all that stuff. The point is very clear. And I think one of the things I like about Wes Anderson movies is that a lot of the times they're about this family dynamic and some of that is in here. But the fact that we don't have a, a, a solid protagonist to lead us through the entire movie and feel the things that he is feeling, even if that is a fail on Jason Schwartzman part or, or the, the writing, um, I, I think that's the biggest fail of this movie is I don't have any, but this goes back to what you were saying, Brett. I don't have anybody to relate to in this situation. And the situation is so weird and so strange. And there are so many goddamn people in this movie and we keep bouncing back and forth. I think the strongest part of this stuff is the black and white shit. I love when, um, when it's, when Jason Schwartzman goes to meet the writer and they have that entire conversation with the ice cream and him breaking the window, that's the stuff that I wanted more of out of this movie. And that's the stuff we don't get enough of because I think that not only gives context to the stuff that's in color, but I think it makes the entire thing make more sense, which is why when he goes out on that balcony, I was like, okay, here we go. We're finally going to fucking figure out what the point of all this was. And then that conversation is so vague and disappointing that it, it, it just failed on, on multiple fronts for me. And I don't know if, I don't know if that's my fault. I don't know if that's Wes Anderson's fault. I don't know if it's Jason Schwartzman's fault, but it's, but it's just a fail on delivering a, a specific thing that he is trying to say. And that is disappointing for me because all of, uh, all the other Anderson movies out there have that thing. Even if the French Dispatch, it's kind of disappointing in that too, but I think this is one long slide of him just up his own ass. And 
and, and he's too fucking self-aware now, I think is the biggest issue. And that is what the, maybe that's what this is about being too self-aware of the art that you're trying to create. And, and that's why we're bouncing back and forth between these things. It's why Jason Schwartzman asked the director, am I doing this right? I, maybe that's what it is, but I, I just don't, I don't, get the fucking point i don't understand the, it and it pisses me off it's a, it's a, if the it's real a message here if the real message here is there is no message then there is a movie that gets that across far better than this does it's called rubber and it's about a killer tire okay i've never seen go this watch, oh my god i need to see this movie go watch that because within the first Five minutes of the movie. Right now. It, Thank you, it, dickhead. Now he's going to make me watch this shit. <laughs> it, is, it is one of the most ridiculous premises of a movie that you have ever heard of. But when they introduce the movie to you, when they show you what you're about to be watching for the next hour and a half, they tell you exactly what to expect out of this movie about a killer tire. And it's a very good commentary on people who pick apart movies. I think a movie like that, that a lot of people have problems with because it's a, what the fuck did I just watch movie gets it across a lot more than, than Wes Anderson did in this. Well, that's my opinion. I, I don't know. I think the biggest word for this movie for me is, um, disappointing. And maybe it's because of the, the, I don't know, the preconceived notions that I had going into this. Maybe it's because of his entire catalog before this. And maybe it's just because he was trying too hard to do something different. But it, the whole movie was just disappointing for me. Although I did like it. And, and I even rated it probably higher than I should have. But yes, you did. I, I, I saw your rating. <laughs> I, 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 I. You know, I know your ratings are yours. I know your ratings are yours, but this time you were wrong. You gave a wrong, incorrect, you rated this incorrectly. But, but that's the thing is the style is all there. And, and just because the substance isn't as strong as I wanted it to be does not discount all of the style and art that did go into this on the other side of it. That shit, that it's some of the strongest stuff I've seen this year so far. Um, and, and, and the substance being disappointing for me, I can look at it like from the outside and say the art and style and the language of film that he's using and all of it is phenomenal. But <laughs> dot, dot, dot. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, that's yeah. why I gave it the rating that I did, which we'll get into here in a minute. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. If you want the style of, of Wes Anderson you've got movies of his that have the style and the substance there, albeit they're quirky and they still have odd dialogue and people don't talk the way that people talk in Wes Anderson movies. But when you have a solid story and a through line that, that makes it a lot more easy. That's makes it an easier pill to swallow. And then with this again, it's just, you're so, you're so, you're tried by what he's trying to tell you so much that you walk out of it going, well, that was funny, but I don't really know what it was, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're 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 absolutely right. I, I, I've very seldom walked out of a movie being more confused about what the fuck I was supposed to have understood. If you look at a movie like infinity pool, that movie's fucking crazy, but mm -hmm. it is very obvious what that movie is about by the end of it. And right. there is, there is, 
he's saying a lot in that movie without outright saying it. And I think that's what Wes Anderson was going for here, but it just misses the mark. And you can make a weird, crazy art house style movie with all sorts of style and still have it say a bunch of shit and have people understand it. But it's it goes back to the thing, like like I said earlier, where he just pulled the chant shit out of the lighthouse and and was like, I'm going to do that here. What the fuck does that mean? Honestly, can one of you tell me you can't wake up if you don't go to sleep? I wrote it down and I wrote it down because I was like, okay. How are we going to reference this in the conclusion of this movie? And they don't. They yeah. don't go back to it. Nope. And At least in the lighthouse, so, it makes sense to the plot of the fucking movie. It's just, <laughs> it, it, it really just sits, it feels like a Rage Against the Machine music video. Like that, 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 it, just, it, it just felt like it shouldn't be in here at all. It was, it was, it was, it was weird when it happened because I was like, and it goes on for a while. Yeah. And I was like, Okay, like if they if they if they said it once, maybe twice, three times a charm to get their point across. I still don't know what that point was, but okay, I can accept that. But the fact that they're chanting it for a good minute, yeah, I was like, okay, I, I don't get what you're what you're going for here. That um, was the that was the real moment where I was just like, he's he's lost up his own ass. He's completely lost up his own ass. He's trying too hard. And, and that was the moment where it all kind of fell apart for me, where I was just like, you, you don't, you don't have a point here. And if you do, it's so convoluted that I don't get it. To be fair, to be fair, modern science is not really sure about the long-term effects of wearing tweed 24 (laughs) seven. So we could be, we could be looking at the the side effects. The elbow patches have started to sink its way into his brain. You're not a professor. (laughs) Well, here's, here's the one thing I would say about Wes Anderson and Wes Anderson movies after watching this is we've had 30 years of Wes Anderson giving us Wes Anderson movies. Mm Mm-hmm. What you what I would be more interested in at this point is Wes Anderson to step out of his comfort zone and maybe not give me a perfectly polished uh, framing of the actors in every scene or maybe have a little bit of a different um, art direction in his movies. And that's that's kind of what I want to see in a change from Wes Anderson, like stepping out of his comfort zone. I know he can do all of that art house shit and do it really well, but can he tell, can he give me a drama that is interesting and straightforward and not have all of that in it too? Um, I, I know, I know people have their specific styles, but even someone like, you know, Tarantino, has, has, has stepped out of that here and there and, you know, went for the Westerns and then went for the Kung Fu stuff. And I don't know, like Wes Anderson has always given me a Wes Anderson movie. And that's the biggest thing I can say is like, give me something that's a little different from what I would normally expect. And I can, I can get on board. And maybe he was trying to do that with this, with the story being the way it was, but I don't know. It just, well, it it, it, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like he had any interest in breaking away from his normal formula. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. see him as a director for hire. That's not what I want from him. But I also am, and we said this in the French Dispatch, and it's worth repeating again and again. I am getting tired of the Wes Anderson shtick. And and it's not because it's bad. It's just, it feels like, okay, I've seen that. 
what else can you do? Are you leaning mm. on this style thing so hard that it has now become a crutch for you that you can't do anything else? This is one of the reasons I love Bottle Rocket and Rushmore because those movies it's before he discovered, he really discovered all this shit. And, and I yeah. think even the life aquatic and the Darjeeling limited, that stuff is in there, but it's not overpowering his substance. And I think he is just losing sight of, I, I don't know what made his early work fantastic. And, and it's, and like you said, I would love to see him do something else. I would love it, but I'm not convinced he could not anymore. Not without losing himself in the, in the style of it. I mean, I I'm convinced that Rob zombie has a good movie in him, but he's so stuck on his carny foul mouth, uh, 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 horror stuff that he does that. It's like, dude, just like step away from that for a moment and, and try something different. Maybe it'll fail, but I I would at least give you the, the pat on the back for trying something a little different. Well, I was almost expecting him to do that with the monsters, but Nope. <laughs> well, I will say, with uh, as far as Rob Zombie goes, that's one of the reasons I respect Lords of Salem because that movie is different, and it's him going for something different. It falls flat, but I can respect the fuck out of him for trying to do a more traditional horror movie in that sense. I have finally found someone who has the same fucking opinion as me. I, I if you were oh to ask God. me what Rob Zombie's best movie is, it's Lords of Salem. Like, I, I don't agree with that, but I but I but I definitely respect the fuck out of him for trying something different. I, I we're getting on off on a whole tangent here, but and, and j- j- I just I just want to say, Josh, get used to that. Get used to almost connecting with him, <laughs> and then not. Um, yeah, it's like catching a perch. It's like ah, oh. like that uh, is the most that is the most like different thing I've seen from Rob sure. Zombie, and for it's sure. and it's not very different. But I will say. The word fuck is only said in it probably three times. And that was enough to get me like, oh, this has got this is a little bit better because I don't hear fuck every other word. Well, the thing that kills that movie is Sherry Moon Zombie is a horrendous actress. She and 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 I I made this point in a what we watched video at one point or another. Um, most of that movie is her eating a sandwich or her asleep in a car or her laying in bed or like, <laughs> anyway, I just, this great, I, just much this, effort. Yes. I just had this great image of Sharon moon as a Pokemon Sherry. and evolving into Mia Goth. <laughs> no, see, that's the thing is Mia Goth <laughs> has actual evolution. Would be Mia, no, I know that's what I'm saying is her evolution <laughs> is Mia Goth. <laughs> All right. Well, um, tangents aside, uh, Brett, why don't you tell me your final thoughts and your ratings on Asteroid City? Uh, I was confused. I felt beat and battered emotionally by the end of this and not in a good way at all. I feel like all of the things that I wish it would have gone with and would have followed through on none of them really like none none of them have the substance that I wanted I feel like it was fragmented I I I felt like it looked beautiful um I'm not gonna lie at first I was getting major fallout 4 vibes from this for when it when when the movie first started there's even a song called fallout games in it yes there is it's the company store jingle jangle jingle Uh, well there's a I think the company store is in there is in fallout 4 too um so I, uh, yeah, overall though, I just, I did not enjoy this, this viewing experience. Uh, I, I think I gave it, I think I gave it like four stars on Letterboxd. 
That's really low. Sorry, not like not 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 like four. I gave it two and a half stars. So I gave this a five out of ten on there. Um, I I just uh, yeah I I did not care about this movie. The, all the things that I feel like I should have cared about, I didn't. And by the end of it, I went well. It's almost it's just barely good enough for me to not want my money back. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> I didn't like this. I didn't. I, I mean, didn't. I knew you weren't going to love it, but like, I don't no, know. No, I really, I, I, I really, really didn't like this movie because again, like I said, it's just, there's, it doesn't feel like a fucking movie. It feels like fragments of something and it feels like all this stuff was just kind of crammed together. And I think I even called you after it came out and I said, I think I missed something because the whole time I felt like I was missing something. And maybe I didn't, maybe, maybe there was something I didn't pick up on. I don't know. But no, overall, I didn't enjoy this. I think a part of that is the way the dialogue is written. <laughs> yeah, really like the Gilmore Girls. I said this 10 minutes into this episode. It's written you know, like a fucking Gilmore Girls episode. <laughs> I'm so happy you said that too, Brett, because my wife fucking loves Gilmore Girls. Of course she And does. I have tried to sit and watch that show with her, but the dialogue in it is so unnatural that I'm like, well, I don't know. If, if it's rapid fire, it's funny. It doesn't matter what they're saying. <laughs> oh, it's just, whoa. That yeah. was the, oh, I can't, I just can't do it. Like, I've tried. Like, I don't, I don't want to hate that show. But I just can't deal with the dialogue in it, so I, Funny, I'm right there I, with you. I hate, to, I hate to break it to you. I don't think you're the demo. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. All probably. Right. Uh, Josh, give me your final thoughts and your rating on Asteroid City. I, I mean, obviously, I I feel a little bit better about it than Brett. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. it I, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, I laughed at it quite a bit. Uh, I just... I just felt like the substance wasn't there. I, I'm I'm all about the style, and I'm all about the the jokes he's making. I mean, that's part of the reason I'm watching a Wes Anderson movie is to see the style and the jokes. And uh, but it, overall, it just again we've talked about it throughout the whole episode. I don't really know what I was supposed to walk away from it um, knowing, or I don't know what the what the point of the story was at this point. So I, I would give it a three star. It was a three star watch for me at this point. I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Um, I feel like that's kind of how I've felt about Wes Anderson for the past few years is his stuff is, is, is great to look at and it's entertaining for me, but I don't know if I get it on the level that hardcore Wes Anderson fans do. Is three, uh, out, is, is that out of 10? Thank you. Thank you. I was sitting here wanting to know the same exact thing. Uh, that would be a three out of five. Okay, uh, so I, I do like that. a six out of ten. Like a six out of ten for me, yeah. Okay. All right, well, for me, I, I used to consider myself a very hardcore Wes Anderson movie up until roughly Isle of Dogs, and that's not to say that I don't like Isle of Dogs. I think that's a fun movie. Um but it's, again, far from his best work. I think Fantastic Mr. Fox does what Isle of Dogs tries to do way better um, in that same style. Uh, I, I think the Asteroid City is fun. It's funny. It's amazing to look at. The technical aspects are incredible. The The cinematographer he uses, I, I, I don't know his name, but like... Holy shit. So, and there are, there are moments in, in this movie where it is just one 
whip pan after another and one long take after another. And it's insane. It's, it's phenomenal the way that some of the technical shit is done in this film, but the style that he's going for overpowers the substance so much that I can't enjoy this as much as I wanted to. Now that doesn't mean I didn't like it. I did really enjoy this film and I think I may rate this higher after a second watching. Um, but that that's not a good thing. Somebody that considers himself a, a Wes Anderson fan and has since high school, I think when you watch this movie, if you can sit there and go, oh, it's about this, this, and this, I think you're projecting a lot of what you want it to be about onto it. And that's not bad. And maybe that's what he wants. Um, but for me, I, I want more concrete, not only answers, but a plot out of it. And that was the biggest thing that it does is it fails on the plot and the entire point of what it's trying to say. That is, and I, and I said it before, it's disappointing to me that this is the film that he came out with after the French dispatch because of how much I disliked the French dispatch. There's a good movie in the French dispatch, but that there's a good movie in asteroid city too, but that doesn't make it a well-made movie tropes, plot and all that stuff exists for a reason. And if you are making a big budget movie, I think that it is important that for a mass audience that you make all of that stuff clear. Infinity pool is not for a mass audience. Therefore it being a little askew and a little more vague about what it's trying to say is okay. The problem is I think is that when we get to Wes Anderson, um, unlike a Cronenberg movie or something, um, you what you want out of it is most of the time what you get out of it. And that is not what you get out of Asteroid City, at least for me. I rated this a seven out of 10, which is way fucking higher than I should go. I think it's probably it sure a, is. I think it's probably a five or a six realistically. Uh, but on a on a second watching, I think I will rate this higher. But I. I think the fact that I feel like I need a second watching is a fail on his part. So that's the, the biggest thing wow. about this being a Wes Anderson movie is yeah, you can go see it for all the Wes Anderson tropes, -ness. but, and you can enjoy it for that, but he's done what he does in this movie better before. Yes. Yeah. Well Ultimately. Said. Well said. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this, uh, you probably didn't. If you're really up with Sanderson's ass, uh, make sure you hit the like button. If you really enjoyed it, make sure you hit the subscribe button because we got a lot We're more content sorry. like this on this channel. Make sure you go check out the VHS Files podcast. They are they're killing it over there. You guys are doing awesome fucking work over there. I really enjoy your guys' show. You guys are super, super consistent in your quality and it's fucking great. So make sure you guys go check that out. I will link that down in the description. I uh, also think that we can at people in titles now. Um, so you should be able to just maybe click the at on, on the title of this video yeah. to be able to go to his mm -hmm. channel. Uh, so thank you. If you got all the way to the end of this, we really super appreciate it. That is why we do this for people that actually get to the end of podcasts. We really appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> thanks for watching. And we will see you guys next time from the deep. Uh, bye bye. Ta-ta. Bye.